Aloha. You are listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are just several days away from the 2020 NBA Draft held on November 18th. That means it's time for Mock Draft 2.0. The Mock Draft I'm compiling is based on what I'm hearing in conversations with NBA scouts and general managers and player agents. It's not based on what I would do on draft night, but it's based on the intel of what I think teams will do on draft night. And I'll probably put out one more of these like on the morning of the draft as more intel comes in. It's still a pretty confusing draft. There's lots of trade talk right now, lots of rumors. I'll get into some of that in the mock draft. Lots of smoke, still little fire. Don't really trust the smoke at this point. It really feels like it could be a very turbulent draft night. And so we're going to start at number one with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I still have them selecting LaMelo Ball, the point guard out of Australia. The Wolves continue to shop this pick heavily, though it still doesn't appear that there is a clear suitor for that number one pick right now. Jarrett Culver has been mentioned in trade discussions. There's been rumblings that Charlotte might be a suitor, but given the recent professional interest in Russell Westbrook, they too look like they may be in win-now mode. Assuming that they can't trade the pick on draft night, I still expected them to take a player that they will have the most trade value down the road. And look, I know that Ball isn't everybody's cup of tea. He doesn't fit next to D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. There's people who think he's soft, what he's going to defend, his jump shot. But his vision, his court vision is special, just absolutely special. He's been number one on our big board, the consensus of NBA big boards all year. And I think that at the end of the day, if the Wolves can't find a trade partner, They take the guy that they think has the best long-term potential down the road. Because look, James Wiseman, who I could argue might be the best prospect in this draft, isn't a great fit next to Carl Anthony Towns. And I don't think Anthony Edwards is necessarily a great fit next uh, to D'Angelo Russell in the backcourt either. And so, look, if you're looking for fits, then someone like Iowa State's Tyrese Halliburton, Dayton's Obi Toppin, who I hear they like, much better compliments for this team I just don't think they're going to select them at number one. And and maybe they will, but I just don't see that really happening right now. And so LaMelo Ball goes here and, you know, they figure it out from there. There's still free agency. There's still plenty of time to make a deal. And maybe it's not Ball that they move, but maybe it's someone like D'Angelo Russell instead. At two, the Golden State Warriors. I still have them selecting James Wiseman, the freshman center out of Memphis. They've also been trying hard to trade the pick. It just doesn't really seem like there's someone in this draft that could step in and contribute the way the Warriors need right now. Again, that's probably someone like USC's Onyeka Okongwu or Tyrese Halliburton or someone like Obi Toppin. I just don't think that that's who the Warriors are going to select at number two. Lots of teams have been rumored to be talking to Golden State right now. They include the Hawks, the Knicks, the Spurs, the Pelicans. But right now it's all talk. It's all smoke. If the Warriors can't find a trade partner, I still think the best long-term play is for James Wiseman. I know that he's not ready to come in and play right now, but he fits a need. You can start rebuilding for the future while still competing for a championship. He's going to be able to give you some blocks, some lobs, some rebounds. And in my personal opinion, I actually think that he might be the best long-term prospect in this draft. I've gone back and forth all year between him and LaMelo Ball been sort of coming around to Wiseman as we get close to the draft. At three, the Charlotte Hornets. Anthony Edwards, 
Freshman guard out of Georgia, and there's been lots of buzz that the Hornets are pursuing Russell Westbrook in a trade. That probably is a signal that they are in win-now mode or like seventh seed mode maybe, and that could also signal a willingness to trade down or out of this draft. But with that said, there's been talk about Charlotte also moving up to take James Wiseman. There's clearly a need in the middle or taking him at three if he's still on the board. There's also been a lot of talk around the league about Onyeke Okongwu going here at three. He's a fit. Charlotte may be able to move down a few spots, get him a little later. Also, there's a significant upside that I think Okongwu has that doesn't necessarily make him a reach at three, especially if Wiseman is off the board at two. As for Edwards, look, I've been a skeptic. I know that there are some major warts there around his field, basketball IQ, but his athleticism, size, strength for his position. If he does figure it out, this is a steal for Charlotte at three. At four, I'm sticking with Tyrese Halliburton, the sophomore guard out of Iowa State. I know that the buzz continues to sit around Denny Avdia, Israeli wing, and part of that, again, is because they have a president of basketball operations that love to draft international players in Denver, but I think that's more speculation and smoke than actually what the Bulls are zeroing in here. The Bulls' backcourt is quite crowded, but no one on the roster has the more long-term potential than Halliburton. I just think he's a great fit here. I also think Olmes, Killian, Hayes would be a great fit as well for Chicago, but I think Halliburton's going to be the pick at four. Cleveland Cavaliers at five. I am sticking barely with Denny Avdia, forward wing out of Israel, 19 years old. It's a weird team. We've talked about this before. The Cavs have two key veterans in the front court, two inconsistent young players in the back court, glaring hole at the wing. Avdia plays the wing. That's why he's getting the tip from me. Two other prospects to watch, though. Dayton's Obi Toppin. Lots of buzz about him landing in Cleveland. And also Auburn's Isaac Okoro, who fits that wing need. Toppin, I can get the interest, but when you have Kevin Love and Larry Nance on the roster, not sure that the fit is worth the talent that's there right now. And with Okoro, the problem is, while he gives you a lockdown presence on the defensive end, the offensive end is still very questionable. And that's why I have them staying with Avdia here. Personally, I think that's high for him. I think he should probably be about five spots higher but that's who I hear Cleveland likes. At six with the Atlanta Hawks, got a change here to Devin Vassell, the sophomore wing out of Florida State. The first big change in the mock. And the Hawks are tough to peg. All signs are pointing to them in win-now mode and looking to make a playoff push. There's been lots of talk about them moving the pick in different directions. But when Trey Young is your point guard, you're going to need some help on the defensive end. Isaac Okoro was who I had here last time and seems like a logical fit given his defensive prowess. But I continue to hear a lot of support for Vassell, who while he's not quite the same defender as Okoro, is a much better offensive player and can still defend multiple positions on the floor. At seven, another change. Patrick Williams, freshman forward out of Florida State, Hot rumor right now that the Detroit Pistons have locked in on Williams with a seventh pick in the draft, barring some huge drop from someone like LaMelo Ball or something to seven. For many scouts, Williams represents the player with the highest ceiling after Ball, Edwards, and Wiseman are off the board. 
Pistons are rebuilding, seem less concerned with players making an immediate impact than a long-term one. If that's the case, Williams seems like a really good play. There is talk about teams maybe trying to get ahead of Detroit uh, to get Williams instead. USC's Yeka Okongwu, Ohm's Killian Hayes, Dayton Zobi Toppin, all in the mix here at seven as well. At eight, it's the New York Knicks. I'm keeping Obi Toppin, the Dayton sophomore power forward. The Knicks are doing everything they can to move up. The asking price to get in the top three for a shot at LaMelo Ball just may be too rich for their blood. It's Mitch Robinson. It's the number eight pick. Neither future first rounder or R.J. Barrett. That's a lot. You better really love LaMelo Ball. If they can't move up, there will be a ton of pressure to take Toppin. He's high profile. He's repped by CAA. Seems like a great value here at eight. A plethora of power forwards on the roster, but maybe they can move some of those around to make space for Toppin. I also really like Killian Hayes here if he's still on the board. At nine, it's the Washington Wizards. Onyeka Okongwu out of USC. Freshman big man. This is a dream scenario for the Washington Wizards. They've been trying to move up in the draft to get Okongwu. Here he drops to them at nine. And, you know, you think about what they need a versatile athlete in the front court. He's really a perfect fit if he's on the board. I, th- I think there's still a lot of upside there on the offensive end. And if they can't move up to get him and he, and he slides to them, that's just a huge win for Washington. If he's not on the board, I think this would be a great spot for Killian Hayes to come in and play in their backcourt to back up John Wall, who... Not sure, again, whether John Wall is ever going to be John Wall and Bradley Bill in that backcourt. And at 10, Phoenix Suns on the board. I have them selecting Killian Hayes, the French guard. And I think this is a dream scenario for Phoenix. There's been a lot of reporting that the Suns are in conversations with the Thunder to land Chris Paul. If they get him, then it's probably that this pick is going to move on to the Thunder And frankly, I think that's a much better deal for the Thunder than it is for the Suns. And especially when I'm not sure that Chris Paul moves you to more than a seventh seed. But it seems like Robert Sauver is obsessed and hell-bent on making the playoffs with this team. If they keep the pick, I continue to hear the Suns are hoping that Hayes falls to them at at 10. They think he's going to be a great compliment in the backcourt to Devin Booker. And at this point in the draft, to me, he's an absolute steal it's also possible that they go with a versatile 3 and D wing like Okoro. Seems like another legit option for him. But with Hayes on the board, I just think that's better value. We've got through the 10 picks. It's time to point out that the NBA draft is just a few days away. And the Locked On NBA podcast is mock drafting every first round pick. I play a role in that. I give analysis after every three picks. But you have every Locked On NBA podcast host selecting for their team Every day, go through about six, seven picks, and you get analysis from me, the Athletics' John Hollinger, Sports Illustrated's Jeremy Wu. Check the feed to catch up on past shows and don't miss a pick. Subscribe to Locked On NBA today wherever you get your podcast. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar tastes even better than the old ones. There are in 18 amazing flavors Six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, 
lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. That's on top of all of the original flavors that you typically love, the coconut almond, the raspberry, the banana bread. One of my favorites, the mint brownie. Also love that orange bar and the coconut one as well, of course, being in Hawaii. And the great thing about these bars is that they taste like a candy bar, but they're actually healthy. And for for someone like me who exercises a lot and runs a lot and cares a lot about what he puts into his system, I love the fact that it's low calorie, it's low sugar, it's got high protein, it's got high fiber, 19 grams of protein, uh, in fact, which is which is pretty awesome. And so go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on. That's builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. And we are back talking Mock Draft 2.0. Just days before the 2020 NBA Draft, we just went through the top 10 picks. And by the way, you can follow along and follow all of this on my website at nbabigboard.com. We have our Big Board 3.0 on nbabigboard.com as well as Mock Draft 2.0 as well as player cards, scouting, analysis, stats, measurements, all that stuff on NBABigBoard.com. At 11, it's the San Antonio Spurs. This was a tough one. I have them selecting Isaac Okoro, the Auburn freshman wing, the best defender in this draft. And it's so strange because it's pretty rare to see tra- to see the Spurs with trade and draft rumors. The club historically placed things very close to the vest. It's rare that anything of value is going to leak out of San Antonio. So, you know, I'm taking all those rumors that they're trying to move up in the draft or down to take Tony Parker's protege, Theo Maladon, with a grain of salt. Did the rumors that DeMar DeRozan's out, LaMarcus Aldridge is out, Patty Mills is on the way out. Of course, it could be true. But if there's smoke I don't trust this time of year, it's spur smoke. Patrick Williams is who we had here last time. He ends up going seven to Detroit in our latest mock. Villanova's Sadiqe Bay is a possibility here as well. But there's a lot of value in the Acora pick at this point. I haven't been his biggest champion. I worry about the offense. I worry about the shooting. But he is the best young wing defender in this draft. His offense is shaky, which could be a problem in San Antonio. But his work ethic really fits the culture. I just don't think they let him slide past here. I think the talent is too much. At 12, the Sacramento Kings, Sadiqe Bay, sophomore wing out of Villanova. And y'all be honest, it's been hard to get a great read out of Sacramento at the moment. And I think that's been true for everybody else in the league as well. For now, people seem to be plugging in whoever the analytics model ranks the highest. Not every not every team's model really agrees. And it's not a given that despite hiring GM Monty McNair, that this pick will be based solely on the numbers. Given what else is available in Sacramento, I think he's worth the risk here. 
And that's why I'm going with Bay. The consensus next best 3 and D wing in the draft who provides the positional flexibility that the Kings need given a really uncertain roster going into this free agency period. I think you can plug him into multiple positions. Just a lot of value here. Not sure he has as high a ceiling as all those other guys that have gone off the board, but he's going to stick in the league for a while. At 13, New Orleans Pelicans are on the board. I have them sticking with Jalen Smith, the Maryland big man. And, you know, again, the Pelicans are in the middle of so many different trade rumors now. Drew Holiday, where is he going to go? It's tough to know exactly where they'll be drafting and what they're looking for and whether they use Holiday to move up in the draft or do something else. I know that Sadiq Bey's name has been thrown a lot here as well. I have him going one pick higher to Sacramento, but if he was on the board here, he could be a likely selection for the Pelicans. Smith's draft stock has been rising, though, and I think that while this might be a few spots high for him, he is a great fit given his size, shooting ability next to Zion Williamson in the front court. And I think that the Pelicans are looking to fill that need. And Smith is available there at 13. At 14, the Boston Celtics are on the board. They got this pick via the Memphis Grizzlies. I have them continuing to select Kira Lewis Jr., sophomore point guard out of Alabama. They've been trying to package all their picks for a veteran, ideally, or to move up if they can't get a vet. But so far, it just seems to be coming up empty for Boston. You know Boston is going to be busy right up through the draft. Danny Ainge loves to make trades. Lewis seems like a really good fit here. Um, Yeah, I know the Celtics already have one little point guard in Kemba Walker, but I don't think they should be deterred by Lewis, who's one of the fastest players end-to-end in the draft. He's young. He shot the ball well at Alabama. He has a lot of analytics pointing in his favor. I think he might be this small steal for the Celtics if he's still on the board. R.J. Hampton and Tyrese Maxey are their names to watch, I'm told. At 15, another change. Aaron Neesmith, Vanderbilt, sophomore wing, one of the best shooters in this draft. Magic have also been involved in all sorts of trade rumors from packaging Aaron Gordon to move up in the draft to using this pick to add another veteran. I had Jaden McDaniels here in my last mock draft, and I actually still think that's a possibility. He's a John Hammond pick all the way. But they also need shooting and a more proven player, and Neesmith fits that niche. He's the best shooter in the draft, shot over 52% from the three-point line as a sophomore at Vanderbilt. And also can get it done on the defensive end as well. Just not sure that the Magic need another young athletic project. At 16, Portland Trailblazers on the board. I have them selecting RJ Hampton, guard out of New Zealand. And I keep hearing three names here, all of whom I think fit GM Neil O'Shea's love of highly ranked high school players who didn't quite pan out during their first year of high school. Jaden McDaniels, Tyrese Maxey, RJ Hampton. Hampton arguably has the most upside because of his elite athleticism. McDaniels has more versatility and some argue is the highest upside player in this draft that isn't in the top three. Maxey is a talent in his own right. And while he doesn't have the pop of Hampton or the size of McDaniel, he probably has the highest floor of the three. I don't really know what the right answer for them is. I selected RJ Hampton just because I think the upside might just be a little bit higher in knowing Neil O'Shea and what he loves there. At 17, Minnesota's back on the board. They get this pick via the Nets. 
Tyrell Terry, the freshman point guard out of Stanford. I think if there's one thing we know about Minnesota now, three-point shooting is going to be a thing. And with Neesmith off the board, and frankly, I think he'd be a perfect fit, a great fit in Minnesota if he was there at 17, I think they look to the next best thing. And Terry has been steadily rising on boards and giving a sweet jump shot. I just think he'd be a great fit in Minnesota as someone who can stretch the floor for them. Also seems to be some precious Ochoa buzz here as well at 17 for the Minnesota Timberwolves. At 18, it's the Dallas Mavericks. I have them continuing to select Leandro Bolomaro, the Argentinian guard. And look, he's a bit of a polarizing prospect. He's got a pretty unique approach to the game. Some people are turned off by it. Some people think he's the next Manu Ginobili. He also isn't coming over to the NBA anytime soon. He's got a contract that leaves him there in Barcelona one year, maybe two. But they have the best international scouting outfit in the NBA the Mavs do and I'm not won't be shocked at all if they nab him and let him develop for a year or two overseas and plug him into the starting lineup down the road also have been hearing Arizona's Josh Green getting looks here at Dallas at 18 at 19 Brooklyn Nets are on the board getting this pick via the Philadelphia 76ers I have them selecting Jaden McDaniels freshman forward out of Washington and first glance I know this doesn't make a lot of sense. They have Kevin Durant. They have Kyrie Irving. They're in win-now mode. Jaden McDaniels, one of the biggest projects in this draft. But what I continue to hear out of Brooklyn is that they're not using this pick for now. They're looking down the road. They understand that McDaniels isn't ready for prime time. But this pick is about the future, not the present. They'll They'll figure out the present other ways. And that's why McDaniels is bubbling to the top here. Alexis Pokashevsky is another potential upside target for the Brooklyn Nets if McDaniels isn't on the board. At 20, it's the Miami Heat. I continue to have them selecting Tyrese Maxey, the freshman guard out of Kentucky. And there's a lot of but Maxey's a really, really hard prospect for me to peg. I've heard him like in the top 10. 20 is probably his floor, but I think that it would actually be a great fit for him in Miami. I know there's already a lot of other Kentucky players here, but he has a lot of the intangibles that Pat Riley typically looks at. I think it would be a great pick for Miami if he's still left on the board at 20. Okay, now we've been through 20 picks in the draft. You can follow along at nbabigboard.com where you can see Big Board 3.0 and Mock Draft 2.0, along with player evaluations, breakdowns, stats, everything you want there at nbabigboard.com. When we come back, we will finish out the first round, picks 21 through 30, on Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we are back talking 2020 NBA Mock Draft 2.0, just days away from the 2020 NBA Draft. 
And if you want to follow along via the web, you can go to nbabigboard.com and see Mock Draft 2.0, Big Board 3.0, player evaluations, scouting reports, stats, measurements, everything. At 21, the Philadelphia 76ers are on the clock. They get this pick via the Thunder. I have a change. I have them selecting Desmond Bain, the TCU guard, senior, one of the older players that's going to get selected in the first round. And his stock has just really been skyrocketing. Stellar interviews, great workouts. Teams love what they see in Bain. And for a team like the Sixers that are going to prioritize shooting now more than ever that Daryl Morey is the captain of the, of the ship, this is a great fit. Savvy veteran, shot 44% from beyond the, beyond the arc, is going to be able to come in, play right away for Philadelphia right now. Bain's stock skyrocketing a little bit. At 22, the Denver Nuggets are getting the selection via the Houston Rockets. I continue to leave them with Alexis Pokachevsky, the Serbian big man, big in quotes, one of the youngest prospects in this draft, super talented, terrible stick body. That means he is going to be a work in progress. Nuggets have not shied away from prospects like that in the past. And frankly, a lot of scouts think that the upside here is huge. If you can figure out where to play him in the NBA, I'm not sure how much you improve his body, but at 22, I think he's a really great pick for Denver. At 23, last time I had them selecting Desmond Bain, and I think if Bain was there, it's a good shot that he might go to Utah at 23. I have them selecting Josh Green, the Arizona freshman wing. He has defensive versatility. He's got athleticism. He actually tested as one of the top athletes in the draft at the Combine. High basketball IQ are all major pluses if he's still on the board here. He's getting looks as high as Dallas at 18, so it's possible he might be gone. Lack of consistent jump shot is the only really major concern about Josh Green's game. I think he's a guy who can help now a little bit and certainly can help down the road for Utah as well. Another name that seems to be bubbling up, thanks to David Locke, Robert Woodward III out of Mississippi State. Another possibility for Utah here, Josh Green might be a better prospect. At 24, the Milwaukee Bucks are on the board via the Pacers. I have them selecting Malachi Flynn, the junior point guard out of San Diego State. And there's several really good point guard options here, and I think point guard might be a way that Milwaukee wants to go. I know Cole Anthony is still on the board here, and some of you may be saying, how in the world can Cole Anthony be there? But look, I really love Flynn, and so do a lot of teams who have worked him out. He can just flat-out play. He pops when you watch him on film. He doesn't have the high school rep of Anthony. Fair enough. But I think he can do more to help the Bucks actually win basketball games right now. And I think that's what Milwaukee is concerned about. Flynn just has a certain sizzle to his game that's just hard to deny. I actually think this is a great place for him at 24. At 25... The Oklahoma City Thunder are on the board, selecting via the Denver Nuggets. I have them taking Precious Achua, the Memphis forward, freshman. And this is this is surprisingly low for Precious, given where he was ranked in high school and where I think some big boards and, and mock drafts had him going earlier as a, as a lottery pick, in some cases as a top 10 pick. And, and he might not last here. He's got multiple options 
for teams that might be interested in him around the way. And by the way, the Thunder may not be here as well as they've been talking to a number of teams about moving up in the draft. But if they're here, if Sam Presti has a type, it's Ochoa, and this late in the draft, I, I think that the upside, he can guard multiple defenders, maybe all five positions on the floor. At 26, Boston Celtics are back on the board. I'm leaving them with Theo Maladon, the French point guard, who actually has been rising on some boards, and he may end up a spot or two or three or four higher. There's also been a bunch of buzz that San Antonio, because Maladon is a Tony Parker protege, have been trying to find a way to get him. And so maybe uh, this is going to be a case where the Spurs are going to uh, maybe even do a deal with Boston. Boston's been trying to package those picks to move up. Maybe San Antonio for 11 would take something like 14 and 26 to move up, move down a few spots in the draft and grab a Maladon here. Um, They certainly... Maladon could probably use another year or two to develop in France, but teams have been impressed with the work that he's been doing out of P3 and, and what he's been doing with his body. And I think he's for sure a first round pick. I think one interesting thing though, is while he could be a draft and stash option, he doesn't want to be a draft and stash option. He wants to come and play in the NBA right now. And that alone may mean that Maladon may slide a little bit in the draft as teams aren't sure what they'll do with him right now because I think people see him as a major work in progress. At 27, the New York Knicks on the clock via the Clippers have them selecting Cole Anthony, the freshman point guard out of North Carolina. He's a Knicks pick all the way. A lot of teams were projecting early in the season that he might be a top 10 pick. Why is he there at 27? Teams have questioned whether he's peaked, whether he's really a point guard, whether he has the elite athleticism or shooting ability. Like, what is that thing that Cole Anthony does great? I think he's actually an excellent scorer, has a good body. And at this point in the draft, I mean, you know, forget about it. The reward definitely outweighs the risk. Great pick for New York if he's still here. At 28, the Los Angeles Lakers, Vernon Carey Jr., the freshman big man out of Duke who was highly thought of as a high school prospect, but then started to slide in the draft as teams looked at him. Weighs 270 pounds. What's he going to do in the NBA? But the buzz on Kerry the last few weeks has been really interesting. He's lost a lot of weight. I've heard he's down to under 240 pounds. He's been shooting the ball well in workouts. Teams seem to be falling back in love with his potential. I think that at 28, where the Lakers are, this could be a really good get because I don't think there's any questioning the talent that Kerry brings to the the table. It's whether he could get in shape athletically enough to be able to defend multiple positions and and he also can really shoot the basketball. So interesting selection there. Yes, the Lakers could also use a guard. Devon Dotson is someone who I think could be also really interesting here. Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon. A potential prospect as well, Trey Jones out of Duke. Uh, but I'm going to go with Kerry Jr., 28th of the Lakers. At 29, Toronto Raptors, Isaiah Stewart, freshman center out of Washington. Raptors may have some potential woes at center in the coming months because of free agency. And Stewart may just be too good to pass on here. He's got incredible, like crazy length, like 
plus 10 inches from his height to his wingspan. Crazy seven foot four wingspan, though he measured like six, seven in, in, in shoes. That's, that's the crazy, uh, 10 years ago, he's a lottery pick. Uh, now, you know, the question is, you know, has the game passed him by? I don't know. I, I still think there's room for him. Obviously, he doesn't have ideal size for his position, ideal athleticism for his position. But man, that length and the productivity he showed at Washington make him intriguing at 29 to the Raptors. And finally, the first round, Boston Celtics back on the board. They get this pick via the Milwaukee Bucks. Zeke Naji, Arizona freshman center who has been rising on draft boards as well. I'm not sure that the Celtics keep this pick, but if they do, Najee might be a nice get here. Look, he's got more pop offensively than defensively at this point, but he seems like he could be a serviceable backup big for Boston. Again, I'd be shocked if Boston keeps all third or all three of the... Again, I'll be shocked if Boston keeps all three of their first-round picks, but if they do, Najee might be a great fit here. Now, look. That leaves a lot of other guys off the board, a lot of guys that could certainly end up being in the first round here. I want to acknowledge a few guys that were really close to making the first round here and could certainly work their way up to the first round in the next couple of days. And just a few prospects to also sort of keep an eye on as you're eyeing the NBA draft. And I want to start with a guy that I just really feel like has had a lot of buzz He's polarizing, but Robert Woodward III, small forward out of Mississippi State, he's number 30 on our big board 3.0. Certainly the length, athleticism. He also measured with a ridiculous wingspan at the NBA Draft Combine. He's a potentially interesting prospect uh, for them. Paul Reed, John Hollinger's man crush, his Dylan Brooks. Of the 2020 NBA draft, I still think he might be the best defensive player in this draft after Isaac Okoro. I think he can guard four positions. Precious Ochoa is obviously in that mix as well. Devon Dotson, the guard out of Kansas, he's little, but man, did he test off the charts athletically uh, for uh, at the NBA draft combine as well. Has speed, has quickness can really score the basketball. He's just small. His jump shot was inconsistent. He may slide to the second round. And that's uh, a challenge. Tyler Bay out of Colorado, who jumped out of the gym at the NBA Draft Combine. Another guy that I think could end up sneaking into the late first round as well. He's just so bouncy. He's such. He's just so bouncy. He's so good as a rebounder. He can guard multiple positions. His offense is a a major work in progress, but I'm a little bit surprised that he isn't in deeper conversations as as a first-round pick. Adoka Azabuke, the big man out of Kansas, who also measured a ridiculous 7-foot, 7-inch, .25 wingspan in the NBA Draft Combine. A beast. A beast. Weighed 260 pounds. Rebounds, blocked shots. Shot 75% from the field in the paint. I just believe there's got to be a place for a guy like him. He's he's like DeAndre Jordan. And at 35, which is around the spot DeAndre Jordan went in the draft, I think he's really a steal. Just a, one more guy to talk about. Xavier Tillman, big man out of Michigan State. 
Not anything sexy about Tillman's game, but high basketball IQ, great passing, defensive skills. Guys like this at Michigan State have tended to do well. I will be back on Monday with the Athletics' Tony Jones doing my annual tiers podcast where we break the draft into tiers and do this the way that a lot of NBA teams do it instead of just one through 60 or you know mock drafts or whatever. We rate these players based off athletics. I've been doing this for a really long time at ESPN. I'm going to bring that back. Tony Jones has got his own tier rankings. He's going to spend some time with me, and we're going to tackle that on Monday on Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. In the meantime, you can go to nbabigboard.com, check out Mock Draft 2.0, check out Big Board 3.0, look at the player evaluations. We're close. My favorite day of the year, NBA Draft Day. I'm excited to be with you. And I also want to add that on draft night, I'll be joining David Locke, and we will be doing live draft analysis for all 60 picks on draft night. Come join us. Listen in. I have lots of great draft talk. We'll bring in a lot of experts uh, to talk along the way as well. I'm going to provide my analysis for every pick. That's on the Locked On Podcast Network. On Wednesday night, draft night, November 18th. Look forward to seeing you there as well. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.